the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back as we head into hour two. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero is our number. Uh, you heard my voice on that ad. That wasn't me doing the show. That was me reading an ad for a new organization. Several of uh, my friends and colleagues and I put together to actually roll up our sleeves and actually do something about um, the uh, drug crisis in America. We're going back to what worked. That's what we're doing. And uh, you can check it out at the stopstartshere.org. Help us out if you can. We're going to save some lives. Or check out the podcast I did with Steve Moak Jr. last week. You can look it up uh, however you like to use your search engines, whether it's DuckDuckGo or something else. Uh, he is the, uh, the podcast is The Unlicensed Counselor. And uh, tomorrow we're going to have some of my team in here talking about it as well. So check it out at thestopstartshere.org. I want to thank uh, our station for allowing me to do those ads, uh, particularly uh, particularly uh, Ramon and David and Bill and Jeremy and Mark, who helped with that, all of it, and Diane. We were talking with Steve, who's in Tempe. Steve, are you still with us? I'm still there. You were talking with us about college tuition and asking yeah. how it is that it goes up and up and up every single year, no matter what the uh, rate of inflation. In fact, it, tuition usually in rate increases, uh, almost always uh, increase over the rate of inflation. And uh, you asked me why that is. Um, I'll tell you why I think that is. It's uh, famously known, and you can check this out on your web browser as well, whichever one you like the best, uh, the Bennett Hypothesis. It's called the Bennett Hypothesis, named after William Bennett when he was Secretary of Education. From an op-ed he wrote in the New York Times in 1987, the gist of which is that the availability of large amounts of federal money was driving up tuition and in the long run making it more difficult, actually, for poor students to go. The more you subsidize something, the more you get of it. And uh, almost, uh, almost, almost every year, student loans are made more and more available. And that's why when there are more student loans made easily or more and more easily available. And when you have such plans like you get from the Biden administration where you don't even have to pay back student loans, the money becomes freer and freer. Of course, the colleges and universities are going to uh, expand um, the amounts of tuition that those student loans can cover. Why wouldn't they? It's a uh, it's a vicious uh, it's a vicious uh, cycle. And uh, that, yeah. that's that's what it's all about. Charlie Brown. Yeah, and the fact the fact is, Seth, the when the federal government can, gives money, tuition goes up. That's how it works. Yeah. Well, the other, the other fact is, uh, they uh, tuition uh, goes up with with these schools because they can do it. Mm -hmm. They know that their their uh, people are going to pay it no matter what, and they have. And if going if the only way that you can pay it now is through student loans, which is the case for most people. Um, it, it, they could care less. Yeah. They're going to they're going to they're going to set their tuition prices at uh, what they are. And you know your your previous guest was talking about the endowments of some of these universities. It's it's obscene. 
mm-hmm. some of the amount of the amount of money that some of these schools have is just flat out outrageous, and for them to be charging you know, the kind of tuition that they charge uh, with those endowments just sitting there um, is is a is. But you know, the fact is, um, it, it's effective for what they do because I mean, their whole thing right now, on an overall basis, is. Um, as you as you know, and I'm sure uh, former Secretary Bennett would agree to, it's uh, you know it's an indoctrination thing. It's well, a, that's right. It's a, it's that's a right. Indoctrination. It, that's right. And and Seth, uh, this is a, is an example of that. I, my niece and nephew went to private Christian schools all the way through high school. Both of them went to ASU. When they got out of ASU, out of ASU, they both voted for Biden. And they're both leaning left yeah. now, as opposed to um, where where you and I are at. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I don't out. know what to tell parents anymore. I mean, you know, it's it's I, I um, every year people I know or get to know me or figure out a way to get to me ask me uh, if I can help their children with their their high school seniors with their college uh, application essays, which I it's just a hobby of mine. I, I, I help out five or six kids a year on that kind of thing. I don't know what to advise anymore. I mean, I yeah. really don't because um, yeah. because I, I don't know that I agree unless the unless the, the child is, is seriously in, interested in pursuing some kind of uh, what you might call harder science degree, like an engineering degree or computer sciences or math, something in the STEM fields, which are also now subject to corruption from the left. But unless they're interested in that or a serious school along those lines, like perhaps a Harvey Mudd or a Cal Poly or an MIT or a Colorado School of Mines or something like that, uh, you know, outside of Hillsdale and just a handful of others and not much more, I I just I I don't understand why we would pay a hundred thousand dollars a year, pay out nearly half a million dollars a year for two things: one, for the student to lose their moral grounding that the parent invested eighteen years in, and two, for the student to walk out of that facility after four years, twenty five, thirty, thirty five, forty, maybe a hundred thousand dollars in the hole before they even start their career. I, I no just question. I just and, don't know why we do it, and I don't know how to counsel this anymore. I really don't. Oh, and, oh, I know. And Seth, the other thing too that's um, I don't know if you remember this, uh, uh, focusing specifically on the on the on the debt crisis, the student loan debt crisis, which which in fact it is a crisis. The amount of money that students like you like you mentioned are burdened with when they graduate, if they have have uh, if they're uh, not as fortunate to have parents that can pay for it, um, is is. It's it's unbearable, and yeah. and the thing that was really that's really interesting as you were talking, and the reason I wanted to call in last week with your with your guests that you're talking about um, back, I don't know if you remember, but back uh, I think it was in the early 2000s, the student loan debt went on went on the federal side, correct? Yeah. Um, the interesting thing is they also changed the bankruptcy laws yeah. in the you early can't 2000s. Discharge it. Yeah, right. That's correct. Yeah. And and uh, it, this is the, this is a fact. And this you know and 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 then focusing on Congress now as it relates to that. Um, I remember uh, Chris Buskirk, your former colleague there, had a guest on, and we were and they were talking, and I called in and I I informed them about uh, a change that change about the bankruptcy laws. The interesting thing about that is that um, 
they changed the Congress changed the bankruptcy laws as it relates to student loan debt and not being able to uh, clear that out if you file Chapter 11 or Chapter 7 or whatever whatever the whatever it was. Right. Um, the interesting thing though is they had a carve out for that. If you were a member of Congress, a child of a member of Congress, a former member of Congress, hmm. you're exempt hmm. from that. Hmm. So if you file Chapter 11 um, and you're you're a, a child of a member of someone who's a former senator or House of Representatives um, uh, man or woman, um, you are exempt hmm. from that, and you can clear that debt. Whereas you and I couldn't, hmm, hmm, hmm. and that's that to me is just an absolute disgrace. Yeah, Madison called laws that you passed that apply to everyone else but yourself as a form of tyranny, and uh, and yeah, and I and yeah, and there's mixed views on whether discharging and bankruptcy is a good or or not good idea. Uh, from the yeah. student's perspective, it may be a a poor idea in the long haul. It may actually be a, a worse idea in the long haul, but there does need to be accountability with the colleges and universities, and I think you could tie these things to the value of the education as it pertains and as it pursues to the majors that these students declare in. And yep. it would not be hard to uh, tie, uh, you know, analyses of what majors earn what and what the job prospects and the job market looks like to the amounts or percents of which your student loans will be. Uh, that seems to me an idea worth trying. Um, and and well, go ahead. And Seth, I was just going to add to that. Uh, uh, that that's a good point. But what what I was going to add to that is okay. Taxpayer taxpayers dollars fund our education from kindergarten through yes grade twelve. Why can't the same thing be done with colleges? I mean, seriously. Um, well, we do, we do, not, we do, we do, we do pay, amount. but we do pay for our public universities. We do pay. Oh, oh, I know, but I'm talking about I'm talking about the tuition itself. I'm talking. I mean, we don't. You don't pay tuition for uh, public high schools, or, or uh, you pay it through taxes. Obviously, that's how it's paid for. But why can't the same thing be done for state universities? Well, I don't. I don't think. Yeah, I don't. I, well, it's an interesting question. I'll, I, I don't know that you want to raise property taxes to increase at a percentage that isn't accountable to cover the expenses of public. I just. I'm, We'll talk more about it. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602 We covered almost everything on my yellow sheet today. We covered the cheeseburger day. I have salad written down. You had a salad lunch. We can leave that aside because if I'm to understand it, you actually saw the movie Jaws. I did. I saw your favorite. It is your favorite movie, right? It's in my top five. Top five movie. All right. I saw your top five movie over the weekend. Yes. And give us a review. A review? Okay. Um, it definitely is playing off of the popularity of the disaster genre of the 70s. So it's very of the time. Um, the shark is pretty fake looking. <laughs> Flint is a great character. Quint. It was great. Quint. 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 It was great to see Richard Dreyfus with a beard. Yeah. That's a first, yeah. at least for me. Um, and Roy Schneider, what's not to like about his character? Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I think you need to see it about five more times. <laughs> well, apparently I have like four sequels I need to see now. <laughs> no, you don't. I'll save you that time. So take the time you were going to do with the sequels, which you can totally prescind from your watch list, and just watch, spend the time you would, watch, would have watching those, watching the original again, and the dialogue. The dialogue is incredible between Roy Scheider and Richard Dreyfus. Richard Dreyfus, and who was the father from, who was Mr. Robinson, Robinson, who was the mayor, that great actor. Yes, yes, and I'm uh, Murray well. something, Murray. Anyway, yeah. the speech of the USS Indianapolis, the That's Robert Shaw. Yeah. It's an amazing scene, and Shark has little black dead eyes. Bl- de- yeah, he's got lifeless eyes, black eyes, like a doll's eyes. And um, that speech that um, Robert Shaw gives, there are about ten versions of it that were written by a bunch of different uh, people involved with the movie. And Steven Spielberg wasn't sure about whether it would be good, and they were all kind of conflicting. And Robert Shaw studied them all, and he comes to Spielberg the night before they film that, are supposed to film that scene. He says, I think I got it. I think I know what to do with it. And boy, did he hit a home run with it. And it's mostly – almost all of it – almost all of it is accurate. Almost all of it is accurate, that story of the USS. I went back and looked it up. He's, he's yes. pretty close yeah. on almost everything. I think the distress signal isn't accurate. Um, if I, He said there was no distress, distress signal was – no distress signal was sent, and, and I think one was. But uh, one of the lines my friends use uh, whenever – you know, things are really hard and they finally get it done is the last line of that speech. Do you remember what it is? Mm. Anyway, we delivered the bomb. Yes, yes. Yeah. Anyway, we delivered anyway. the bomb. Yeah. Uh, I, it's an amazing, amazing movie. And the shark, they had so many problems with it that it was Spielberg's genius to shoot the movie through the point of view of the shark so that you wouldn't see the shark till much later in the movie once they got things, once they got things working. Okay. And, yeah. and offset, the shark was referred to as? I don't know. Bruce. Bruce? Yeah, named okay. after Steven Spielberg's lawyer, who he thought of as a shark. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. I see. That's yeah. funny. Yeah. Uh, there's so much to that movie. And they, they kept that shark on the Paramount lot for a while, didn't they? Is it, is it, is it not there anymore? I don't know. I, I can't believe you don't think it looks real. Experience. That shocks me. Well, I haven't exactly gone face to face with many sharks to compare. Yeah, so so but. you have no right to say that. It's the only movie that changed public opinion um, and the culture in the way that it did. I mean, there were a couple other movies that changed things. China Syndrome had something to do with something, and maybe Stepford Wives a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, but not like Jaws. No one ever looked at an ocean the same way again. No one ever who saw that movie, and I guarantee now you will never look at an ocean. My goodness, if I was living in Martha's Vineyard at the time, I think I'd be very scared to get in the water. Yeah. Fortunately, I watched this movie having living having lived in the desert. I know time. people <laughs> who were afraid to go in the shower or the bathtub after seeing that oh, movie. Oh, that's funny. It was yeah. it was a piece of work. It was in that simple Little John Williams, da da, two noted thing. That little John Williams. Yeah, the soundtrack. Yeah, the yeah, the, uh, the missing character yeah, of the film. Yeah, Great soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. He he did a lot for those uh, for those disaster movies. So it he did a lot for. Yeah, his, yeah, he was uh, great. Fits in his wheelhouse. Yeah. if they if you call it that. Roy Schneider is. Um, on the, I, I want to say they almost tried to make him look like a nerd with the glasses, but it's so hard because he's such a tough cat to yeah. make him look nerdy. Yeah. Even at the ending, he's you know 
hanging on to the buoy one-handed with a rifle in his hand. I, I mean, Don't. and how do you say that that is a, a nerdy little sheriff that oh, just no. comes into oh, no. town he, once a month? He you know? left it all on the field. Um, he, um, Robert Shaw died the next year. I did know that, yeah. Yeah, yeah he that was basically tremendous his, career, right? Uh, penultimate uh, film. Yeah. Oh, there was one more. Oh, there were, yeah. He, I think I believe he died in the middle of filming something, oh, and they okay. had to piece some stuff together. He's in the yeah. original James Bond, right? To Russia. With yes, he he plays a character called Red Grant, and from Russia with love. From Russia yeah, with, with love. a bleach blonde haircut. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and he looks so much taller too, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. And I like one that he did called a uh, Black Sunday, where he plays a. Uh, some sort of a Mossad agent. That's what you it haven't is, yeah. seen uh, a man for all seasons. Though. Not yet. We're working on that. Let's get there. We got we got to Jaws. Okay, you know. it took a while. It did take a while, but it took a while for it to become free. You know. Yeah, but it also it was a misprioritization on your part. A misprioritization. Yeah, because you were watching. What was that? What was that? What was that silly thing, Bill? He was watching the other day in front of Jaws. Oh my god! What goodness. was that stupid movie? <laughs> I know what you're talking about. What was it? You were you were referring to the fact that I watched the pajama game or something like that? Beach blanket bingo. What were you watching instead? You were you're referring to the fact that I watched Electric Horseman. Electric Horseman. Yeah, Robert ridiculous. Redford. Yeah, yeah. All right, I want to know what people thought about uh, what, Bill? What? It's a, it's embarrassing. Do you know what else I watched this weekend? Uh, Earthquake. I want to know what people thought <laughs> of the Meet the Press interview with Donald Trump. I want to point them out to Molly Hemingway's column, fact-checking Kirsten, Wilk, Kristen Welker, who just brazenly lied in a weird, weird, weird way when she kept interrupting the president on the abortion question um, with regard to Donald Trump saying Democratic lawmakers will put no time limits or time restrictions on abortion, including up to and even after the baby is born alive. It's so easy to fact check that. I have no idea why Kristen—well, I do. Kristen Walker would be so shameless in saying that wasn't true, even saying so after Trump wasn't there. You know, she did a post— Interview, uh, uh, a post-interview fact check right before it went to commercial where she's not even sitting with the president saying it's not true. Just like Jen Psaki said, it's not true. It's so easily fact-checked. Did anyone not – did no one watch the debates in Arizona? With It wasn't really – I mean, did – Katie Hobbs, it wasn't a debate, but when Katie Hobbs was running and she was asked, she would not – say, any timeline, any time in gestation or the pregnancy when an abortion would be restricted. Same with Mark Kelly in his debate with Blake Masters. Same with every Democrat across the country, which is why they voted against it in the Senate. The Democrats voted against the Born Alive Infant Protection Act in the Senate. Kristen Walker just lied. They lie to you. Are global leaders developing solutions that promote freedom and quality of life, or are they creating problems, enforcing solutions that only benefit the elite? Midas Gold Group believes it's the latter, from draconian COVID restrictions, the decimation of small businesses, changed election laws. Midas believes your finances will be next. Under the guise of protecting you, you'll get monetary expansion, national debt, reduced purchasing power, and the central bank digital currency will virtually eliminate your savings and purchasing privacy. The answer, convert a portion of your savings or IRA to physical gold and silver. Precious metals are a private currency. They've been used to store wealth throughout history. Thousands of you trust the veterans at Midas Gold Group, just like Seb Gorka and I do. They're fighting for your financial freedom, and privacy. Call Midas Gold Group at 480-360-3000. That's 480-360-3000. Or check them out online at Midas 
goldgroup.com. Speaking of Seb Gorka, I had a listener send me um, – said Julie sent me a uh, a podcast that I guess uh, Seb Gorka was doing a review of Jaws recently or was planning to. I don't know if you heard it. Yes, I'm familiar. I used to be a big fan of Making Movies Great Again with Sebastian Gorka. He does a weekly segment on movies, but I found that he kind of uh, stays in the 1980s and he very rarely okay. – uh, moves outside of uh, the 1980s for these great films. Well, I and I know we've discussed yeah. how great, uh, for example, the 1962-1963 Oscars yeah. were. I think there are some great movies that were made outside of the Oh, there uh, were. I just think you know, that's between, probably you know, 1980 yeah. and 89. Yeah, it's probably just his familiarity with American culture, you know. He was, you know, he 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 was brought up learning about America probably mostly in the 80s. Um, but you know, have you got? Do you have? Have you gone through the catalog of movies you're supposed to go through? Besides, no, you're you're a little behind. Nah. You need to watch. You've done Rear Window. Mm-hmm. You've done North by Northwest. Of course, these are movies I watched as a kid. Well, they need to be watched as an adult. Okay, I'll watch them again just but, for you. Yes, well, for you. Why don't we? I'm hang doing out this for you, young these David, and screen them, and you know, I, I'm share doing this a drink for you. And, okay, okay, okay. You're writing this down. Rope. You need to watch Rope. Okay. It's about the Loeb Leopold murder with a different fact pattern, which involved it's a tremendous case. Next weekend. And you need to watch Sea Biscuit. Have you watched Sea Biscuit? I have not. You need to watch Sea. It's a perfect movie. David McCullough narrates it. The great historian David McCullough actually narrates it. It's a perfect movie, and you need to watch The Natural. Have you watched The Natural with Robert Redford? Yeah, no, but no, I, you'll watch. You 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 have to watch another Robert. I have to watch. <laughs> you have to watch the wrong Robert. Redford. The wrong Robert Redford movie. Excuse me, sir. <laughs> yeah, you you were making a point off air about Jaws and children, though. Oh yeah, well I was just saying, you know, I, I well I asked you when you saw it, and as a were, kid when yeah, it came when out, we younger, yeah, um, in the theater with dad, and I was thinking, I as I watched the credits roll, I was thinking. I bet one of the reasons for its immense popularity in the summer of 1975 was because that is a movie that you could show children. I mean, there is absolutely no swearing that I remember. There's no. Lewdness. I don't remember any swearing. There's no. Um, there's there's nudity. no. Se- no. There's no, no. Not really. You know, Just that opening scene, maybe, but it's so. Yeah, that opening scene, but it's so vague. Yeah, and it's yeah. in the the, the in darkness. Dark. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, you could show that movie point. to a 10-year-old, assuming that they're okay with seeing someone die on good, screen. You could point. show that to kids. It's a monster movie. It's a Again, monster it movie. It appeals to the, the disaster genre of the 70s yeah. that I'm somewhat of a, of a minor fan of. <laughs> yeah. It's a good point, actually. It's a really good point. All right. The line Kristen Welker. Um, Molly Hemingway, read her piece. She was on uh, Fox Business Channel earlier talking about it. Let's see if I can grab this. Yeah, there are a lot of things here. Molly Hemingway, what do you make of that little um, dialogue, I'm going to call it? Yeah, this was Kristen Welker's first time hosting Meet the Press as the permanent host. She did this debate with President Trump where I think a lot of people were shocked at how uninformed or misinformed she is about basic facts, such as the Biden family influence peddling operation, how Joe Biden is implicated in a lot of the allegations that are there with the Biden family. She ran a lot of defense for President Biden, not just on that issue, but about DOJ corruption, which is related to this story as well. And she also was falsely characterizing Democrats' abortion position. She lied and said that they did not support abortion through all nine months of pregnancy. In fact, 
nearly every elected Democrat has voted in favor of that. So it was a very interesting debut for Kristen Walker and very disappointing for a lot of people who hoped she would be an improvement over the activism of Chuck Todd. Yeah, she was worse. All right. We'll be right back. 602-508-0960. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960. Just one more snippet from what Molly Hemingway wrote today about Kristen Welker's either deliberate lie or abysmal lack of knowledge about the Democratic Party and abortion. Molly writes, for example, her first question sounded like it could have been written by Planned Parenthood in which she pushed the false pro-abortion claim that directly and intentionally killing an unborn child in the womb is something medically necessary for a woman. Question. So my question for you, Mr. President, is how is it acceptable in America that women's lives are at risk, doctors are being forced to turn away patients in need or risk breaking the law? And President Trump said, so you have Roe v. Wade for 52 years. I did something that nobody thought was possible. Now people, pro-lifers, have the right to negotiate for the first time. They had no rights at all because the radical people on this are really the Democrats that say after five months, six months, seven months, eight months, nine months, and even after birth, you're allowed to terminate the baby. Welker, Mr. President, Democrats aren't saying that. I have to say Democrats are not saying that. That's a lie from Welker. Nearly every single elected Democrat supports forcing states to allow unborn children to be killed throughout all nine months of pregnancy. Given a choice of whether to vote for or against legislation requiring states to permit the killing of unborn children up to the moment of birth, every elected Democrat, nearly every elected Democrat, votes for that. Um, it's indisputable. On February 28, 2022, only one Democrat senator voted no on an abortion bill that said and did exactly that. And that one Democrat was Joe Manchin. Now, I have to say, I don't think that um, Donald Trump did a very good job in his answers on this. He could have very easily made that point and slammed that one home. And I think he really got caught up in the tripwires of the Q&A when it came to whether he would sponsor federal legislation uh, or only support states' rights legis- or state legislation on abortion. He should have an answer. He didn't. He was tripping all over that. He wouldn't say whether he would or wouldn't. But what he did say, oddly enough, was that the states uh, should uh, should be able to make their own laws on it, and that that was the magic of Roe v. Wade. So it sounded at a point like he wouldn't sign federal legislation, but then she asked him about the uh, fetal heartbeat law that uh, was passed in Florida, and I think it exists in uh, two other states. Is it uh, Idaho and one other? And he said, "No, those are bad. Lo- those that's that's the, those are terrible laws." He said, "This five-week, six-week rule is is a terrible law." So he really walked all over his own answers on this. And I saw the DeSantis team all over social media fundraising off those quotes, um, as was their right to do. And as he handed to them on a silver platter to do, I don't think it'll matter much. Um, there was Ronald Reagan was known as being Teflon. Donald Trump, it's it's the Teflon Don. I mean, it just won't matter much. I don't think. I mean, I'm trying not to be cynical about this, but there are so many things that you think people would be outraged by, Democrat, Independent, Republican, on any number or any set of issues that we've just become kind of, to borrow another movie line, Paul Newman uh, in The Verdict, we've all become kind of just dead. 
we're all dead to these things. And, um, yeah, uh, totally true if you followed the debate between Mike Gallagher and um, his friend this morning on this. Totally true that Donald Trump was the most pro-life president uh, since Ronald Reagan and maybe in argu- arguably in some respects more than Ronald Reagan, um, given the justices, given his physical appearances at the pro-life – at the March for Life rallies and stuff like that. that. All credit due to him. It's also possible he's changed on this or he's reverted on this or he has a different set of opinions on this or he just is trying to find something to batter Ron DeSantis over the head on that he does not need to do. He doesn't need to do, and I'm, 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 I'm hoping Republicans do not cower from this issue. I am hearing too much cowering from Republicans on this issue. I saw candidates cower on it during, 20, during the 2022 election. I saw them reverse course. You don't need to. The polling, if you walk someone through the argument, if you walk them through what we're talking about, particularly if we're on a 15-week program here, which is three weeks into the second trimester, most people— a majority of the American people, and it's not a small majority, but a large majority, 70, 75 percent support that. This is not something to walk away from. It's not something to be afraid of. It is something that I think can appeal to non-Republicans as well. Um, and yes, I mean, this is not something to be anger, angry and bitter about when you do talk about it. It's something to talk about with love and appreciation for life. Uh, somewhere um, between how Ronald Reagan talked about it and, and and today there is a winning strategy. Ronald Reagan never shrank from this issue, wrote a book about it while he was in office in 1983 and then won 49 states. It's a tough book, but it's a smart book, and it walks you through the Constitution, and it walks you through the history, and it walks you through the processes and the procedures. Charles Schultz... The developer and cartoonist for Peanuts wrote a pro-life cartoon I just discovered the other day from, I think, 1969. And it's a beautiful, sentimental moment in history. This, this, this is an issue we should not run from. The gruesome practices are embraced by the Democratic Party. Let me ask you this. Do you think Planned Parenthood would have taken Margaret Sanger's name off the front of their New York City offices two years ago if they were proud of what they were doing? Do you think Democrats would be lying about the Democrats' position? Do you think Kristen Welker and Jen Psaki and these people would be lying about what the Democratic position is if they're proud of where they stay, if, they, if they're proud of what they're saying? No, they're distorting their own records and denying their own records for a reason, because they know that it can't stand up to moral or medical or justifiable scrutiny in the light of day. Their position, it cannot. They know that. That's why they're lying about it. Which takes me to another issue I want to talk about, too. It's an interesting one our friends at Issues and Insights have been writing about. All this talk about how impeaching Biden or starting an impeachment inquiry against Biden will only make him stronger. Um, It doesn't bear out there either. This seems to be a mainstream media Democrat talking point. Biden's not saying bring it on, by the way. Have you noticed that? He's not saying a damn word about it. They're not saying bring it on. Impeaching Biden is a desperate gamble that will backfire as a headline. Republicans would love to impeach Biden. It would backfire on them. Another headline. 
How Republicans Push to Impeach Joe Biden Could Backfire. Another headline. Could the Biden impeachment inquiry backfire on Republicans? Question mark. Headline. Will the House GOP's Biden impeachment probe backfire? Question mark. Every one of these headlines appeared in lefty newspapers and were penned by lefty authors or were uttered on lefty cable news programs. Quit taking advice about what's good for our party from the party that wants to defeat us. That's what I say. Portions of this show brought to you by our good friends at Y-Refi. Y-Refi has a great investment in a portfolio where you'll know what each monthly statement will look like with no surprises. You can turn your monthly income on or off. You can compound it, whatever you like. There's no penalty if you need your money back at any time. Your interest is compounded daily. There are no fees. The portfolio is secure and collateralized, and you can earn up to a 10.25% rate of return, a 10.25% fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com. Or call them at 888-YREFI-24, 888-YREFI-24. Yes, young David, you said you thought... I had a I had an interesting question. You yes, know, sir. we mentioned you were growing up when Jaws came out. Yep. Uh, what was your first car? Because I bet used cars were pretty cool back in the eighties. Yeah, we. <laughs> my family had a '76 uh, Suburban. Okay. Which was a tank. A yes, four, I know what those looked like. Yeah, four fifty four engine. And my. They wanted each of the kids to learn how to drive on that. To learn how to drive tanks? Well, no, to be safe. They thought it was the safest car they could think of. And they weren't luxury cars like they are now. They were working. Did you get the one with the barn doors in the back? No. Oh, darn. No, (laughs) but they weren't weren't luxury cars in those days. They were just working cars, so they weren't – I don't know what they paid for it. Probably like $8,000 or something, I'm guessing. I don't know. And – we would go to drive in movies in it and sit on the roof. But anyway, that was my literally first car. Now, my mom knew nothing from cars, knew nothing of them. And we knew this ranching family that uh, would come visit us from time to time, and they were very, very wealthy. Oh. And the wife pulls up to the front porch or whatever driveway one day, the lady, and um, mom says to her, you know, I'm looking for a good, safe, big car for my daughter to drive when she turns 16. What about that? What? Tell me about that car. That looks big and safe. She said, the rolls? Ah. Yeah. <laughs> That's oh. how little my mom knew about cars. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wow. But my first car in college, I learned stick shift on a um, four-speed Toyota station wagon. Okay. A, a 1976 Toyota station wagon. I had that car in college for many, many years. So my t- first two cars were both 76. One was a Suburban and one was a Toyota. That's pretty cool. It was not that's a Rolls-Royce. That's pretty cool. Never has been. Okay. <laughs> we'll go take a break and we'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.